I think I was a little off last week. I think I'm still trying to get used to all this. Well, yeah, it's weird cool. not being face to face, obviously. So. Oh, also, I was like a lot more lit last time because <laughs> I, had no, I had no one to fucking judge me. Dude, no one's gonna judge you. Like, I, I don't give a shit. No, I judge myself based on how like lit everyone is around me in social gatherings. Uh. So, but there was no one to compare myself here to, so I just kept going for the moon. You're my hero, Alex. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, can I bring up our uh, sponsors list yet? Yeah, bring up the sponsor list. All right. Well, we don't have any fucking sponsors, but there is a no sponsor <laughs> list because I'm fucking mad at these companies. Um, <laughs> I hate Five Guys because they maybe wait 20 minutes in my car for my food for me just to go inside and say, "Hey, can I have my fucking food?" Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was kind of pissed. <laughs> Happy pandemic. <laughs> yeah well that's the thing it's like i'm gonna look like a real asshole if i'm shitty about it because you know the world's dying but god damn i really want my cheeseburgers <laughs> oh, i want that on a sign in my house sometimes i lick the light socket just to feel something <laughs> what do you feel anything god can emo haircuts come back when everyone has long bangs oh i hate my dad oh, cha. i let my i let my rachel i let rachel <laughs> <laughs> i let rachel cut my hair last weekend yeah how'd that go fine she actually she got the blend and everything i didn't let her do the hard part or anything like that i was like no 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 no, no we're, we're good good well Okay, here we are. Welcome, everyone, to the next episode of Chick Flicks. With, hang on a second. <laughs> We're going to do a role reversal one day where I don't lead the conversation and I make Alex do it. Dude, that yeah. episode's going to be fucking 10 minutes long. <laughs> What'd you think of it? Eh, eh, good podcast. <laughs> Some quality content right there. Chick Flicks with Dicks. This year can't eat our shit for racist swaps of COVID. Escape with quarantine, so come with us if you want to live. It's time for season two, you know with who the dicks are back. So get your earballs up with Alex Shu and Zach Attack. Chicks, flicks with dicks. Oh yeah, it's chick flicks with dicks. Oh yeah, chicks, flicks with dicks. You know it's chick flicks with dicks. And sometimes Krista. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Chick Flicks. With chodes. Oh my god. <laughs> With dicks. Like, we gotta change it just because Chris is joining us. <laughs> <laughs> the chode cast. <laughs> you know what? I'm keeping this part. We're running it. I'm I'm your host, Zach Stein. With me as always, co-host extraordinaire, Alex Schumacher. Maker. And joining us again. As part of the quarantine team, Miss Krista Fanning. I'm back, baby. Woo! Back like you never left. It's funny because you, cla- you like, ca- like you clacked a little bit, and it sounds yeah. like, I'm black, baby. I'm not. They don't know. Can- cancel culture is <laughs> coming for your ass for appropriation so hard. God damn it. Quarantine is great. <laughs> <laughs> We're all doing this, fine. This is the day the podcast died. <laughs> <laughs> It died a long time ago. It's just laying down now. That's true. That's true. We just haven't learned to roll over and take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, we're a bit edgier now that we're isolated. Exactly. People, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Watch me. I'm going to do what that NASCAR man did. <laughs> Hashtag woke. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I went a little heavy handed on the fireball. So I feel like as this recording progresses, it's just going to get a little out of hand and I'm okay with that. I I feel we're all a little bit heavy right now. I think we need to. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, let's do a quick check in. How is everyone doing? (sighs) 
Chris is deflated. I feel very <laughs> deflated. It's been a long time. I hate it. So on this episode of Chick Flicks with Dicks, <laughs> we are taking on First Wives Club, which I had never heard of. Had you guys? I have vague memories of being aware of its existence as a kid, but I never saw it. Alex, did, had you heard, heard of it? Yeah, I've definitely heard of the name before, but I didn't know anything about it or that the uh, main witch from Hocus Pocus was in more movies than Hocus Pocus. <laughs> That was her, Bette right? Was a, yeah, it was Bette Midler. Yes, that was that was Bette Midler. She's she's awesome. See, I know the name Bette Midler. I just can't put a face to it. And now it's I know it's Kyle's mom from South Park. Wait, what is it? Oh yeah, if you look at Bette Midler, because like okay, so in the beginning of the movie, you know how they like had her like fatter, and then she like lost weight throughout the movie. Oh, you're saying in the movie? Yeah, it, no, no, no. She doesn't oh, play okay, Cartman's okay. mom. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I was like, no, I'm no, she sure that looks like Cartman's mom. mom. Okay, okay. What? 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 Oh no, not Cartman's mom. Kyle's mom. Kyle's mom. Yeah. This is new. I don't know the lead actor's characters' names. Oh, not at all. I, I'm like, okay, Bette Milder, Goldie Hawn, Diane Keaton. Yep. Boom. Done. But I only know the names of their ex-husband's characters. Yeah. I do enjoy that two-thirds of Hocus Pocus is in this movie. Thank you. Yes, me too. When I was younger, I loved Footloose. Okay. But I did not like Ariel, the main girl. I was like, oh, why is she the lead? She's terrible. No, I loved Sarah Jessica Parker, who, by the way, when you compare it to the musical, that's supposed to be like the fat friend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There's scenes in the actual musical where like she's always eating and and having Coca-Cola. But in the movie, I'm like, no, like Sarah Jessica Parker is where it's at. Well, I can actually explain scientifically why everyone thinks Sarah Jessica Parker is hot in Hocus Pocus. You only had two other witches to compare her to. One is the one that rides the vacuum. The other one is Bette Midler. I mean, he's not wrong. So you're saying that she's practicing the age-old... Ugly friends. (laughs) Like, where you just surround yourself with people that are slightly lesser attractive than you, so that by comparison, you look like a 10? Is this a... Did we just uncover something that's in Hocus Pocus the whole time? Bette Midler was never the lead vampire... or. Which the whole time <laughs> that would have been but a does, completely it, different. It show. doesn't change the plot at all. It's just like no, I just want to be hot and I don't want to do responsible things, so I make her do all the leader things. <laughs> that one's on a vacuum, and I don't give a fuck. Look at look how hot I am next to them. Anyways, I digress. So first wives club. This is made up of what I I mean at the time I believe to be a heavy hitting cast. Absolutely, it came out in 1996, which. I'm just going to throw this out there. Hoax Pocus came out in 94. I had to look that up because I thought for sure this movie came out before it. I don't know if it was obviously the way everyone dressed. You can tell it's the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Well, the aesthetics in this are yes. beautiful. You know how I Definitely. can tell it was, this movie was like set in the 90s? Mm. They say many, many times, it's the 90s. <laughs> oh, that's, that's true. They do. We're 90s women. It's the 90s. Beautiful. But even with that, again, comparing it to Hocus Pocus, man, how long before Hocus Pocus did this movie come out? This came out two years after, in fact. And so I was like, oh, oh. I think it had a lot to do with the color saturation is really what did it because Hocus Pocus feels a lot of the colors still feel bright. Like the oranges look like a deep orange. Whereas in this, the oranges look like that pastel orange, pale. Yeah. I mean, and you can apply that to any color. It just didn't feel as color rich. Granted, it also took place in New York City. No, I don't think you're wrong, though. You got to think of like the movies from that time. Of what like New York, how New York was represented on film as far as color palettes go. Just think the uh, opening of the first Ninja Turtles movie 
and just how disgusting New York looks, although they're trying to give it a cool vibe feel, it still looks like a, a cesspool. Grungy. Yeah, because it's like Grungy. all gray yeah. and nasty, and it's just like, that pizza looks fucking good. Like I said, the, this is made up of a heavy-hitting cast. You've got Bette Midler, Goldie Hawn, and Diane Keaton as the three primary uh, heroines, protagonists. We'll, we'll call them the protagonists, yeah. First off, I had to make note here. They had an opening scene, then they had opening credits. They did like a cold open. I like that. And it was those three when they were back in college and they were graduating from college, but there was a fourth one with them. They all had these bead necklaces. They looked like pearl necklaces. Yeah. The fourth one gave them all pearls. Right. You can tell that they're all, uh, I would say this, they're all definitely going into wealth, if not came Mm -hmm. from wealth. They were like, we're strong, sophisticated, independent. We're always going to have each other. You know, we're always going to be friends. Well, then you have your opening credits. Yeah. And then there was a hard left turn. Hard left. (laughs) So then all of a sudden we see Stockard Channing, who is also known Rizzo from Greece. Yeah. I I just want to throw this out there. By this point, the majority of them had already been nominated or won some major acting award of some sort. These are heavy hitters, Mm -hmm. well established in their career, very different from some of the other movies that we've done. Yeah. And the fact that Stockard Channing wasn't up there with with the lead three, I was like, oh, so she's the fourth girl. I wonder why she wasn't on the movie cover. (laughs) Oh, there's a good reason. We find out pretty quick. Her character's name is Cynthia. Her last name is Swan. Oh. And it looks like she's in a New York high rise in this lavish room. She's dressed all in like a white nightgown with a white robe. High heels. High heels. She's got her pearls on. It's a rule when you're rich. If you wear a nightgown, you have to wear heels, which is why I don't want to be rich. Spread all across the bed are these newspapers and tabloids talking about how this wealthy guy is getting married to this person that's like significantly younger than him. Stalker Channing is her character is clearly drunk. Um, she drops the beads that she was wearing, her pearl necklace, on the ground and throws the newspapers. What does she give to her maid? Like her maid walks her in. Is that what she, she gave, yeah, her, she the gave her the pearls? Yeah, I I was writing notes and I saw that she gave her something and the maid was like, no, 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 miss, I can't, I can't. And she's like, no, please, it's mine to give. Please take it. She tells her to take the rest of the day off before she leaves. She says, oh, can you take these letters? And her maid leaves. And then you're like, oh, shit. Did you, did you pick up the underlying tone of that scene? Oh, yeah. Immediately. when As soon as I saw her writing the letters, I was like, ah, okay. It actually sets up for the... Uh, First Wives Club Extended Universe, because now that maid is now going to be the next First Wife. I would enjoy a movie told from her point of view. The maid. She gave me the appearance. Now, here's the thing. Her point of view had to have seen the end, because she did not make it down the elevator, out the lobby, and away from the building before Mrs. Swan decided to take a dive. Oh, I quit. (laughs) <laughs> like, <I> mean. <laughs> so that's where i was like i recognized her name and i was like oh do you think she they named her that because she swan oh, dove off off the roof like that's absolutely. the reason <laughs> i didn't even remember her name so good for you i was i thought this was going to be a funny movie and i'm like <laughs> fuck like, and, boy, and boy you were wrong because it was funny <laughs> um, that part just wasn't it, so obviously the tabloids are about her husband leaving her for a younger woman. Uh-huh. Um, and this is this is a shared experience for all the characters we're meeting. So then the next person we meet is Diane Keaton. And she walks into her house. It's early in the morning. 
her daughter is waiting for her in the kitchen. She doesn't see her. I like the daughter. I like Chris so much. You know, they're like, what is the most lesbian name we can come up with? Chris. So the daughter starts giving Diane Keaton a hard time. She's like, where were you all night? And I'm a lesbian. <laughs> That's the thing. So yeah. she literally just comes out to her mom in this moment and they gloss over it. Like it's nothing. End scene. They do set up a payoff later. Hang on a second. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, that noise is still happening. I don't know why. Uh, what kind of headset are you using, Krista? A real piece of shit one. So that's something that I plan on doing. I'm actually going to get you guys USB mics and send them to you. Well, why don't you just send me the link and I'll buy my own. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. I'm so offended. All right, so me and Chris are going to unionize. <laughs> This is not a democracy. <laughs> this is a cheerocracy. <laughs> I was going to call it a Stein tatership, but whatever that works too. <laughs> Stein Jong Un over here. Who? <laughs> 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 Diane Keaton's daughter. That's what we need to get at. Diane Keaton's yeah. daughter is grilling her. Diane Keaton says that I was with your father last night. Just that one line already establishes so much. That she's a thought. That she's the thought. That the dad is not living with them. That they are either separated or divorced or were never married. That's the power of the story right there. One line establishes so much. And I'm like, thank you. We don't need a bunch of background. Yeah. You don't have to give me exposition all of the time. And then her daughter comes out to her and then we cut scenes again. I'm like, wait, what? Hang on a second. Go back. That I want more exposition on. <laughs> I want more lesbians in my chick flicks. Give it what it deserves, goddammit. And then we cut to Goldie Hawn and she's visiting a plastic surgeon who is Rob Reiner. I fucking love Rob Reiner. He's one of my heroes. He's amazing. I can't uh, believe they had the technology in 1996 to edit out the cheeseburgers in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that you guys understand why I love Rob Reiner so much. I'm assuming it's uh, Happy Days? No, 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 not even. So he's a director. Oh, yeah. Notorious for my all-time favorite movie, which is The Princess Bride. Wait, Rob Reiner made The Princess Bride? Yes, and so for that, I am forever indebted to him. Also, fun fact, he directed Stand By Me, which is another one of my top favorites. Oh, so I just want to throw that out there. Like, he's the shit. There's a reason I love this dude. I was about to throw a red flag at you, like a bullshit flag. Just be like, oh, uh, no, Stephen King directed Stand By Me. You're stupid. <laughs> and then I got fucked. <laughs> and then I checked myself for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. Stephen King's not a director. So Rob Reiner, yes, also did When Harry Met Sally. This dude's legit. He's one of my favorite directors. He does these little, like in this, this is literally the only time that he's in the movie. It's it's this one quick scene where Goldie Hawn is, is at the plastic surgeon. Apparently she's an aging out actress mm -hmm. uh, who was once very big. Her character has an Oscar and she's wanting to get more plastic surgery, right? Yeah, she wants collagen in her lips. Kind of sounds like the story of Goldie Hawn. But one of my favorite lines in the whole movie comes right here from Rob Reiner when he says, if I give you one more facelift, you'll be able to blink your lips. <laughs> 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 so that's it. Again, establishing Goldie Hawn's character and her drive. She wants to be famous again. She wants to be young again. And in that, they reference about how her ex is with someone that's 20 years younger. Mm -hmm. And then boom, scene is over. It's very short. The introductory scenes for the four women got progressively shorter. So Stockard Channing's takes up the most film yeah. time. Diane Keaton's takes up a little less. And then Goldie Hawn's is very quick. And then Bette Midler's is even funnier. And basically what they do is establish she's a good Jewish mother. <laughs> oh, 
I love Bette Midler's character so much. Like I was writing notes and then I realized the notes I was writing was just the shit she was saying. Like she had fantastic one-liners. Oh, and her delivery is just oh. spot on. That She chews up the scenery throughout the entire film and I love it. Oh God, she's so good. She is. I honestly believe she is sort of the glue that held this together, but without overpowering the other characters either. I, when they were all together, she was definitely the louder one. But again, she was supposed to be the good Jewish mother. They even say, you were always the loud one. Well, <laughs> what? Well, the, I'd say the only one that might have stolen any spotlight or upstage was uh, Diane Keaton, because they literally put her up front during the two musical numbers which we will get to and so then the next scene is we see diane keaton is watching the news while she's talking to her mom in the kitchen at her house and the news tells the story that uh cynthia swan plummeted to her death and she is like shocked she's like oh oh my god the next one is goldie hahn and her lips are all fucked up. Like she, she definitely got more collagen. She tried. To, she tried to frown, but couldn't. But there was no way. She sees a newspaper, and sees it, and you can tell that it looks like she's trying to frown or cry or something. That's not uh, happening, bitch. Like your whole face is frozen right now. Like Elsa frozen. And then the next scene, they're at the funeral. I love. They are telling the story but they are not spending a shit ton of time in every single scene with bullshit commentary they are they're, moving right along they're trusting their audience to keep up absolutely and they fucked up because i was so lost i was like wait who died <laughs> not only are they trusting the audience but they're trusting the audience based on what they've already given them they're like look yeah. we've given you the most efficient message yeah. for each scene eat it digest it Yep. Move on. So they're at the funeral. My second favorite character in the entire movie was Maggie Smith. Right. Which one was Maggie Smith? The old lady. Yes, the old lady. Professor McGonagall from Harry Potter. Queen of New York. Yeah. Queen of New York. What was her significance? Because I was just like, there's no monarchy in the United States. How is she just going to take that title? <laughs> like, tar and feather her now. <laughs> she is a loyalist. It needs to die. Well, I didn't vote for her. <laughs> it's a two-party system. You gotta vote for one of us. <laughs> oh God. She's sort of the the originator of what we'll, we will come to know as the first wives' club. She was the first wife of a wealthy, powerful man. She was also the second and third wife of other wealthy, powerful men, which is one of the reasons that she has all the money, the, the upscale pole. house where she shouldn't. But the poll, exactly. So she is like the socialite that yeah. calls the shots. So whatever she does in high society, everyone falls in line with. She started. She invented hip hop in the 30s. <laughs> I think they just followed Maggie Smith around for a while and just recorded her day-to-day -day life. She wasn't actually in the movie. She's yeah. just a nice character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what they did with What's Her Face and Cats. Um, Jennifer Hudson. Taylor Swift. No, no. No, Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. Yeah. She didn't even know she was going to be in Cats. They just followed her around with a GoPro. <laughs> I mean, I would I would go see a movie that was just following Judy Dench around with a GoPro. And she's just like snarling and foaming at the mouth, just going, Jellicle Cats. <laughs> Did I tell you how I watch Cats? No. I haven't seen Cats yet. Please tell me I naked in a theater. No, um, I, I there was people around, so, you know, to still not be a sex offender, I kept my clothes on. Ugh, fine. <laughs> me and a few other people uh, got, like, drunk and watched it, the theater. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there, like, because I'm trying to think of, like, they keep saying Jellicle Cats. I'm like, Jellicle's a word. <laughs> it fucking has to be, because they're... 
they they won't stop saying it. And so I get home and I'm, I, I was I get sober enough to drive during the movie, which was the worst part because I'm like, okay, I just see this really weird shit. One of these songs is really fucking cool, but everything else sucks. And there's Idris Elba, uh, Idris Elba, a cat. Idris Elba is a cat's gooch. I saw his gooch. I did not like it. So I get home and I go. You don't like that brown sugar? No, not, for, not when it's like covering cat hair. I'm allergic to cats. The movie and cats. Oof. So I get home and I Google Jellicle. I cannot find it. It's just like, oh, here's the cats wiki. I'm like, someone really fun, puts their personal money to fund a Wikipedia page for cats. Yeah. <laughs> not even a Wikipedia page, just a wiki. So it's like, it's all fan funded. I'm like, this has fans. Oh, yeah. It costs more money to keep this website up than they made in that fucking movie revenue. <laughs> And with Monster, it only you only need like one dollar a year for low domains. That movie oh. sucked. And there's a butthole version they never released. Did you hear about that? There's a what? They made a version where, and then they like edited out all the buttholes, and said we got the non-butthole version. And now people are all like, we want the butthole cut. Like it's like they're like, no, don't release the director's cut. Release the butthole cut. It's the same people that are leading the release the Snyder cut. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man We're in, this is the darkest timeline <laughs> or the what? best someone posted a meme that said that i'm really glad that people in the future can look back at the past and agree that the killing of harambe is what started <laughs> all of this yeah yeah that, that's where the timeline split yeah. it's like it all started with this fucking girl getting killed in the pit dad what's this have to do with the pandemic it's, we get there when we get there <laughs> That's the sequel to How I Met Your Mother. The show of somebody telling the story, this, and they start with Harambe. Well, kids. <laughs> if there's ever, ever a biopic made of me, I wanted to start with Harambe. Okay. So we're at the funeral yeah. of Cynthia, and the three friends are there. Maggie Smith walks in at the same time Goldie Hawn's character watch, walks in. But you hear Maggie Smith say, oh, it's a tragedy. And Goldie Hawn says, I know, I can't believe she did this. <laughs> And Maggie Smith says, no, your lips, dear. And like, <laughs> as they're walking in, and I'm just like, yo, like Maggie Smith throwing shade was the best thing ever. Uh, yeah, I ever been dunked it. on by a 90-year-old billionaire? If I'm going to be dunked on by anybody, I hope it's Maggie Smith. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> At the funeral, they show Bette Midler, they show Diane Keaton, they show Goldie Hawn, and, and they all recognize each other. And they're like, oh, oh, hey, yeah, hi. And then... The ex-husband of Stockard Channing's character shows up with his new wife and everyone's just like, I can't believe not only that he showed up, but that he showed up with her. Yeah. That's some fucking balls. That's cojones. Fuck that guy. So he walks in and his wife is Heather Locklear. Things in this movie kept reminding me were in the mid 90s. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. the last I really remember Heather Locklear was from when she had a short stint on Scrubs, which was early 2000s. Which episode yeah. was that? She's the one that is with Dr. Cox for a couple episodes. Oh. And then it's when Jordan shows up and. Makes her choose. She's pregnant. Yeah. Yes. Makes him choose. Fuck Jordan. And they're like, oh, how dare he? I can't believe he showed up. And someone says to Bette Midler, oh, the guy that she's with, what's his name? Uh, he was on that show, that sitcom from the 80s into the early 90s, um, Perfect Strangers. The one that was sitting with Bette Midler, it, he was the designer in it, like the interior oh, designer guy. I thought that was like her like new fling. No, no, no. It's just a friend. He's like, well, you don't know what he's feeling. 
camera shot of the ex-husband. He has one arm folded over. It looks like he's holding her hand, but he's actually just rubbing her nipple with his finger. As is tradition for a funeral, a Catholic funeral. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I'm not Catholic. That's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. That, they are very handsy religion. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they are the Joe Biden of the religion. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. People just settle for it. Like, look, it's been here a while. It's worked for a little. It's worked pretty well. Why not? Then we skip to Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, and Goldie Hawn at the end of the funeral are all talking and kind of catching up. Goldie Hawn's like, well, you know, do you guys want to get lunch? We can get out of here. And Bette Midler <laughs> says, do you have the limo? And Goldie Hawn just kind of says, yes. And she's like, let's go. And just leads the way right out. She's like, fuck it. Peace out. <laughs> right. It's not like she was like, you guys want to get lunch sometime. No, exactly. Yeah. And Bette Midler's like, nope, now let's go. Yeah, she was hungry. And so it shows them having lunch, catching up. In the scene, the waiter comes in. He asks them for their drink order. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the drink order defines the their characters 100%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take a kosher pickle with some vodka on the side. <laughs> <laughs> also, what is a Virgin Mary? Is that just tomato juice? Like, why would you order it as a Virgin Mary? Why wouldn't you just order tomato juice? Also, why would you order tomato juice? Yeah, that's well, weird. Because she could have had a V8. Oh, it's tomato juice, hot sauce, Worcestershire sauce, and lemon. That does not make it better. No, so, it doesn't. So Diane Keaton's character orders the Virgin Mary. But Midler's character goes directly to the Bloody Mary. Yep. And then Goldie Hawn's character says, vodka rocks. They go but hard. starting out, they are at, you know, hey, how's everything going? How have you been? I'm so sorry we haven't kept in touch. And they all kind of go around acting as though everything's fine. Until they get drunk. Yeah. Until they get drunk. Thank you. That's exact. I felt like it was until they get drunk and they yeah. ask the question, why did she do it? Yeah. And who? someone says something that sort of triggers that. Goldie Hawn says she probably gave the best years of her yeah. life to him, yeah. her youth, for his success, etc. But she's not talking to them. She's spacing out as she's saying this. Bette Midler's staring at her like, oh shit, you too? <laughs> Which yeah. I think she actually says. Yeah. Ooh. Well, at this point, that's when they're all like, oh, like, what do you do to you? What do you do to you? But uh, yeah. Dan Keaton's character is like, oh, everything's going fine. Blah, blah, blah. Like everything. But like they, they can tell she's full of shit. I also enjoy the subtlety that she has switched to wine. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. That was some good storytelling right there. That was some good wine yeah. horn by that intern. God, I love What is it that they ask Diane Keaton if she's taking? They're like, oh, yeah, you're, you're doing ther- couples therapy is where we find out here. They're doing couples therapy and they're, you know, working on getting back together. And she's like, it's fine. We're fine. You know, the marriage, you know, obviously we have we're, we have some stuff to work on. Who doesn't have stuff to work on? But we're okay. And they're, <laughs> I love Bette Midler's character just calls people on their bullshit yeah. the entire time. Like a good Jewish mother should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's lithium. Yeah. Lithium, which I did not know was like a common thing. I did not know that that's what people oh, yeah. were prescribed back then to deal with anxiety and depression and stuff. Really? Are, they're occasionally still prescribed it. And then they end the scene right there, which I thought was hilarious. They jump to Diane Keaton at the therapist then. That establishing shot. Go for it. I really enjoyed this movie, but there are choices they made that I'm like, we didn't need that. Like, why... Are you framing the therapist like a slut? Like it's straight <laughs> up just the shot of her thighs. Like, no. You like, know what's funny is I didn't notice that. Oh yeah. Like I saw the shot of her thighs and I was like, oh, her husband's fucking the therapist. Mm. <laughs> All these thighs don't lie. 
I mean, spoiler it, alert. Like, yeah, no shit. yeah, Chris, what the hell? Why would they like that if they didn't want their audience to immediately know it? And also, why would they want their audience to immediately know that? Now, here's the thing is I miss that. So when it happened, I was actually caught by it. Okay. I wonder if a woman would notice that more than a guy. Alex, I, did you notice that? Uh, Yeah, kind of. Oh, see, I'm usually pretty perceptive of this shit. Well, if we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, uh, I mean, because Chris already said that, you know, she's fucking her husband. Spoiler alert. That man's a pedophile. Dude, <laughs> yeah. One of my notes is just surprise pedophile. With like question marks and exclamation points. So Diane Keaton's ex-husband is the dad from Seventh Heaven, which we now know today to have been a pedophile. Like this whole time. Did you hear how he got caught? No. So I'm glad a pedophile is in jail. I'd like to just get that out of the way first. (laughs) But I I feel empathy and I feel bad for him on how he got caught. And I think you guys will agree with me. What happened was um, he went to go seek help for it. He went uh, to therapy with his wife Mm -hmm. to like try to work this shit through because he knew he was sick and he was trying to get help. Well, I guess like his wife was shitty with him. So she recorded the therapy session without them knowing, and she sold it to the tabloids. What? Oh. Which, to me, like, it feels like, you know, a pedophile that is thinking, like, I need to reform, I need to get better, and he sees that, he's like, fuck that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not turning myself wow. in. You know, and so, like, like I said, a lot of pedophiles in jail. The circumstances, I wish he was a little more evil, so I can sure. relish it more. But it's like, man, he got betrayed. And, so I'm a firm believer that people, I like to see the good in people, and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt up to a point. That's why I'm still around. Basically. Uh, So I like to... I'm just kidding. (laughs) If he was taking action to try and change for the good of society, then... But here's the thing. Talking about it and taking action are two different things. Oh, no, definitely. But taking... I I would say taking action is... I mean, he's telling this therapist that he's doing felonious shit. I mean... Sure. You know, so, like, that's coming to terms with it. And I'd say, like, you know, first first step of recovery or, you know, redemption is admission. Something to consider, I guess. No, that's interesting take on it. I mean, I, I had no idea that that's how it was. Yeah, that I, is, I, I heard yeah, that in a podcast. It wasn't during, like, a major string a sting operation or anything. No, you know? was, I mean, he... <laughs> he wasn't Jared from some way. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Did you hear how they caught him? No, tell me, please. Oh, fucking We're Christ. changing what this podcast is about. Dude, no, like, I am so happy on how this motherfucker got caught because fuck Jared. Fuck that dude. Dude, oh my god. So I guess uh, this it was this, like, woman who was on this, like, one-woman crusade to put his ass away forever because, like, he's part of, like, you know, like, this group of fucking kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like it is you mean of kid fuckers yeah of kid fuckers yes and he's like with this group and she like somehow i don't know how she found out i think maybe she might have worked for him or something so eventually she starts trying to bait him over the phone to admitting not only mm. does she get him to admit within like the first week of trying she did this for two years and got two years wow. worth of him admitting all the shit that he did you know, and him Ooh. saying like, yeah, like, what do you want me to do to your daughters? Like she was like acting like she was like grooming her kids for him. And he got wow. all this evidence oh. and that motherfucker is gone forever. Good. Yeah. Good on her. Yeah. yeah. Like if you actually like listen to like, you can like, you can listen to him on YouTube, the phone calls. It's sick. It's so fucked That's up. Fucked up. Okay. So we're at the therapist's office with Diane yes. Keaton and the therapist is trying to get Diane Keaton to get angry which I think is something that she struggles with very clearly throughout the film. Yeah. Then we cut to Bette Midler's out shopping with her son for his bar mitzvah. They actually go into one of the stores that her ex-husband Morty owns. Morty's new gal Does he own enters store? the scene. 
Yeah. I thought he owned electronic stores. Because that's what. Oh, they don't own that one? The oh. Commercial okay. shooting is electronics. I think they're. Oh, yeah, it is. Boutique. I thought he owned multiple store, like multiple types of stores. I thought it was a chain of those stores. Whatever. Gotcha. Okay. He, he was like, come on down and get $5 off, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I, <laughs> the only reason I think he doesn't own it is because he's talking about buying the dresses for his girl. While he's also telling Bette Midler that he doesn't have any money. Mm -hmm. And the girl being SJP. (laughs) (laughs) So much fun in this movie. She she, she did put out a lot of personality, like more yeah. than her normal personality. I enjoyed it. I was like, oh shit, it's Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, awesome. Before she got weird. Cool. Yeah. Before, she, before she finished her horse transformation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stick. <laughs> and he keeps telling her, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. And I'm like, okay, well then how are you going to buy all the shit that you're holding for right? Sarah Jessica Parker then? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You don't have any money. Correction. Hocus Pocus was in 93, not... 94. Eh, so this was okay. three years. Sorry. I have that note here. Then again, we jump to Goldie Hawn and she's meeting with a, an up and coming young director uh, who's got this great part for her. He's pitching this idea to her about a movie, but she's not the young sexy actress lead person. She would be playing that person's mom. Yeah, It's sort of like a harrowing experience for her because she's reminded again that she's still not young and hot anymore. doesn't matter how much plastic surgery she gets done. She's past that point now. Another piece I liked about this, not just the storytelling, but there's some lightheartedness, but there's also these little moments here and there where you're like, like you really feel for these people. Shit, girl, go get your drink. Go get your vodka on the rocks. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. And then we jump back to Diane Keaton. I feel like we're jumping around a lot. to, To be fair, the movie kind of does too. It does. But it works. I don't want our audience to think, I have to let everybody know, it is easier to follow when you're watching. This jumps around probably as much as Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants did. But the time we spend with them is efficient. Thank you. The movie flows and the scenes that exist are doing things. They're furthering points. Yes, absolutely. Now we're with Diane Keaton. She gets this call to have dinner with her husband. Krista, I would like you to explain the next scene. Okay. So she shows up to a restaurant and is walking through a dance floor and there's a romantic song. And I'm sure if I were older, I would have recognized the song, but I didn't. It's fine. And then they start dancing and it's nice. And at this point, I'm like, I expected a legally blonde moment where the guy dumps her at the dinner table and he doesn't hard cut up to his hotel room and he's in a bathrobe. She's dressed and they're smooching. And it was, mm-hmm. it, it was super weird because the she was like, I need to go, but we'll move your stuff in tomorrow. And I was like, this is super weird. I don't know what's happening. He says he wants a divorce. And then the therapist mm-hmm. walks in and she is not at all perturbed by the fact that he is in a bathrobe in his hotel room with his ex-wife. Cause she's like, did no. you tell her? And he's like, yep, I was totally up front. And she does not question it. I think we're supposed to think she's smart. Cause they have like in her office, there are shots of books that she has written, but this bitch is dumb. She also jumps on with, you know, Diane Keaton finally has like this breakdown and she starts swearing finally, which I'm like, yeah, yeah. get it. That girl. was a powerful like, scene. <laughs> yes, I, it was. The second I started taking the movie seriously, I was just like, I am, oh, <laughs> I'm pissed she didn't haul off and like hit her though. Cause in the therapist's office, she takes a phone bat and she's like, hit me, hit me. And I wanted that payoff. Oh man. I, I told Rachel, I said, she better knock that bitch the fuck out in this movie or I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. And she didn't say a fucking word because at that time I still didn't know that he was banging the therapist. Yeah. And so then when this happened, I was like, oh shit, she's about to lay this bitch out. No. And nothing happened. Oh. And I was like, 
Now, to be fair, that I don't think would have been a realistic arc for her character because she's so soft-spoken. I think the moment they chose to show her showing physical anger and hitting somebody was better. I agree. Agreed. That was some legally blonde levels of bullshit with that breakup. And I, oh, like you see it coming, but it's like a train wreck and you can't stop it. Before she even walks in, he's like, I I just wanted one more. She's like, we just got done making love. And he's like, well, I just wanted, you know, just one last kiss. And she's like, it wasn't a kiss. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Like you got it in one more time because- you manipulate her because you know that she would do it. And then he tries throwing out that bullshit that yeah. like she's always manipulated him. From the sound of it, she has supported you nonstop professionally so that you can reach your goals. Yeah. And then you're Which dicking her over. He became very Which successful. he absolutely did. Yep. What is he doing again? Which one is that? Agency. Agency. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the co-owners, right? No, I think he's like the chairman. No, because she... Aren't there two other partners yeah. or something in his advertising firm or whatever? Yeah. That one even out. Also, I'm pretty sure that therapist could lose her license. I 100%. You can't fuck your patients. I don't think you're supposed to, no. No. Not with that attitude. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I'm a woman. I'm like, but you were a doctor first. Get out of here. Fucking bitch. Doctor lady. Chick fucks with dicks. I feel like there were many acts within acts one, two, and three in this. Yeah. In Act 1, you're introduced to all the characters, and then they are given a crisis that they have to overcome, which is their friend that they went to college with, and they were going to be best friends forever, and then they all just lost touch. They have to deal with her funeral. Then all of them have to face what their new norm is, Mm -hmm. which Goldie Hawn just had that meeting with the up-and-coming director and finds out she's not been considered for the lead, but for the mom. Diane Keaton's character has this interaction with her husband. She thinks they're getting back together. He asks for a divorce and finds out she's fucking the same therapist they're both saying. But Bette Midler's was so subtle. It slipped in between these scenes. She shows up to a clearly like a high-end restaurant where you have to have a stand reservation, basically. The server, the maitre d', and the busboy like all know her name. She goes to sit at a two-seater. It's just her. And the busboy says something to her about like, just you alone tonight. This place is packed. People are like kind of side-eyeing her and stuff. And she's, she stops and says, yes. And she sits down to eat dinner alone. And I'm like, get it, girl. I don't know. That moment for me was powerful. It spoke volumes for me. I was like, yes. I loved Bette Midler's character. I think they did her dirty in the end. Um, She got what she wanted. What did she want? Stability. I mean, we can, we can wait and discuss this. I think having her get back together with her ex-husband. Spoilers. I know. <laughs> you can cut this. We can talk about it later. I just, I think, I don't know. I was not happy. We did miss a vital scene. Which one? Of what? When uh, right after the funeral, uh, Bette Midler's character took like this mob boss outside, which I'm assuming is a relative oh, of her. Oh, shit. I forgot and about he's that. Like, Yo, you want me <laughs> to uncle. fucking kill your husband? <laughs> Straight up says <laughs> he like. To yeah. Him. <laughs> yeah. Well, because well, he says something. He's just like, after all what your father did for him, you know, and all this shit. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, that might come back to play later. Um, also, yeah, like, her her uncle is from Sicily. It's like a real Sicilian, is is what she said. And he never like, put, and he never play against a Sicilian when uh, death is on the line. When death is on the line. Yeah. <laughs> oh. dicks. Act one is always sort of building the powder keg, right? It's always establishing the characters, and you're preparing for what you're going to face. So I think they've done a really good job at not only Act one. But then act two is the match is dropped and you have to sort of clean up the pieces. The trigger happens here. At the end of act one, they each receive those letters 
mm-hmm. from Cynthia that she had given to her maid in the opening scene to mail out. I had forgotten all about those until this moment. The letter basically reads out how she wished that she was as talented as Goldie Hawn's character, as funny as Bette Midler. Oh shit. As Bette Midler's character and as strong as Diane Keaton's character. Because she always equated Diane Keaton as being not easily angered as her having strength. Yeah. Because shit doesn't bother her. She has the strength to deal with stuff in order to internalize everything. Which I was like, huh, perception is everything. Yeah. And so they all get together. Again, they call each other. They're like, we need to get together. And there's this quick little montage of like them <clears throat> making phone calls or leaving messages on answering machines. They're together. And I was taking notes. So basically the gist of the conversation is we helped build them up. We can tear them down, referencing their husbands and how Cynthia was right. Like we are talented and humorous and strong. Fuck this. Fuck them. Fuck feeling sorry for ourselves. Let's go out there and let's get justice. And this is where we actually hear the phrase first wives club, referencing that they were the first wives of these powerful men, these men who are now, they own their own ad agency. They own their own retail outlet. And then the other one is, uh, oh, Goldie Hawn's ex is a major director, producer in Hollywood. So he makes a shit ton of money as well. Yeah. So they're all very well established and often riding on the coattails or standing on the backs on the shoulders of their wives. Mm-hmm. Act two is all about establishing the plan. I'm looking at it as how are they going to get back at their exes? And I'm thinking like, oh, they're just going to fuck around with them, you know, like whatever. No, no, no. Like this shit gets real, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Which it was fun to watch. It definitely was. I felt like they did a really good job. The next scene we see them at a gay bar and they're there to see uh, Diane Keaton's daughter. Yeah. Wait, why did they go there? To see their daughter. Oh, I thought they were just, just going there to be young and hip and cool. No, they wanted to ask Chris to help them. With this plan, and so how they so know she'd be at the gay bar? I don't know because cell phones the, didn't exist back then. They well, they did. She probably talked to her mom about it. They she was very open and blunt about being a lesbian. Yeah, but the thing is, she seemed surprised to see her mom there. So I don't think they like established a rendezvous point at the gay bar. No, Again, they just hoped for the best and it worked out. The writers are giving the audience credit in that she probably was like, I'm going out with friends or something and just happens to know this is the most established gay bar in town. Only because Chris goes frequents there. Right. So they go in there to find Diane Keaton's daughter to ask her to be a part of their plan to get back at the husbands, which all relies on gathering information and intel on each husband. And so they need Diane Keaton's daughter to... She goes and gets a job at her dad's a- advertising agency. Yeah, she uh, becomes like a secretary or something. Can we discuss the choice they made to have her call him daddy? Let's. Considering I... the first time I watched this movie, the dude was a convicted pedophile? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... I said that out loud. I was like, ooh, not young enough. Like that's anytime I saw him on screen, I was just like, I can't, I can't with you, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Chris Hansen, sit the fuck down. Hi. Do you know who I am? (laughs) Why don't you have a seat? You're not delivering pizzas. You're here to have sex with a minor. (laughs) Only R. Kelly can do that. Oh, damn. Uh, It just, they did things that made her kind of sexual around her father, and it was weird. I feel like she was trying to play it off like, I know something you don't know. Yeah. That came across with more sexual tension than was meant. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted them to be like, no, 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 no. Tone it back a bit. And by a bit, I mean like, take the dick out of your mouth. And (laughs) it was never in there. (laughs) She's a lesbian. Let's take, that's true. That's true. Hey. But I was just like, mm hmm. 
Mm. I agree. I completely understand what you're saying. Like, yes, it did come across the way she said it a couple times. I was creeped out. Yeah. I guess I just, I just tossed it up to the fact that I know that guy was an actual pedophile. And so in my head, I'm like, not that that's just what's making it weird. No, no. It's just, I, I want to believe that she was like trying to make him uncomfortable, but I don't know if that's the case. I'm going to choose to believe that's the case because that's the funniest interpretation. You know, it's well established. She doesn't like her dad because she calls him out to her mom. Like she's like, no, Mm. he's an asshole. Get the fuck away from him. Like that's her father. So she don't give a fuck. Yeah. No, does not give a single fuck. love how vicious she is with him. Yeah. It's funny because deciding the age of that character, she very easily could have been in high school, but I feel like if this was the true, like a 2000s movie, she would have been like a junior or senior in high school who was angsty. Whereas in this, I'm like, oh, so like mid nineties lesbians were like early to mid 2000s junior emo (laughs) girls. Next, we see Goldie Hawn go in to execute her part of the plan, which is she walks into her ex's office. Again, he's the movie director in Hollywood. Part of their divorce is that he wants alimony and he wants her to take all of their possessions collectively, all the art, fancy pieces and shit that they have, and then sell them and split the profits right down the middle. And so she goes into his office and takes everything, everything while he's on the phone. The paintings, statues. His desk that he was using. His desk. <laughs> I was like, take the desk, take the desk. <laughs> oh, God. And it just keeps happening to this guy. Like everywhere he goes, she just starts yeah. taking his shit. I, she shows up to take his shit. <laughs> I like when he called about the car and they were very careful to not have him call her a bitch, mm-hmm. which I assume was like yeah. a ratings choice. But I was like, oh, they're trying real hard because he would be calling her a bitch right now he calls her satan he calls her like a dragon lady he calls her all sorts of stuff but he never calls her a bitch i'm like you're using too many words dude just call her a bitch that's no we know that's what you want we know that's where you're heading i guess i'll see you next tuesday click her part of the establishing plan is done. So then we jump up to Bette Midler's portion, which is at her son's bar mitzvah. She meets with her Sicilian uncle. What is his name? Carmine? I think so. Vito. Let's just call him Vito. (laughs) Vito. Okay. The number five at Jimmy John's. Vito Vito for Vendetta. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. He was about like vendettas. He's just like, yeah, fuck this guy. That's where he offers to take him out. It's not at the funeral. He offers at her son's bar mitzvah when he's leaving to take him out. And that's where he says, after all the shit, uh, after everything your father did for him, she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, when he first started his business, because now he owns like 14 different places. But when he started his first one, half of his product that he had in a store had fallen off of our trucks. If you get my drift, (laughs) yo, like this dude is straight up Tony Soprano. Yeah. Like I was not expecting a mafia movie. No, not at all. Just that hint of it. Yeah. Light touch of it. I was like, that was perfect. And like an an Italian Jewish mafia. Right? Yes. Give me the spaghetti with the (laughs) kvaka. So Bette Midler has dirt on her ex already. Now she just needs proof because they don't have the dirt on the others yet. That's why the daughter had to get the job at the advertising agency. She has to get some dirt. And that's why Goldie Hawn still doesn't have dirt yet on her current ex. Vito for Vendetta even tells him, he's like, check his books. They're cooked. Uh, Yes. I mean, he basically like hands it to her on a silver platter. So this is where Jesse. Mm -hmm. Spano. Yeah. Jesse Spano from Saved by the Bell turns out to be Goldie Hawn's ex's new person. Not just that. He's Harvey Weinstein the fuck out of it. Oh, no shit. 
Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah. hey, I got a, I got a movie role for you. Ugh. Oh, I want to say, like, I want to kick back to them facing their new norms. We're going to have to face a new norm soon. Yeah. Which is why, I don't know, I felt like this movie just kind of spoke to me in this moment, in this time right now. I was like, I don't, I don't, it's the it's the Rona. That's what I'm blaming it on. I'm digging way too deep in this oh, fucking movie. Oh, you're talking movie. about new norms, like, post-pandemic? Yes. Yeah, yes. now I'm not going to be able to fuck the actresses I hire anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a fucking, like a scum fuck. Alex, I'm so sorry for your sacrifice. <laughs> so sorry. We're in this together. We're all in this together. The young upcoming director that Goldie Hawn met with. With, and she's being asked to play the mom, not the like the lead actress. Jesse's character is the one that's supposed to play the lead actress, which I was just like, ooh, double whammy. Goldie Hawn just keeps getting shit on left and right. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's rough. I also thought it was interesting because Sarah Jessica Parker hates Bette Midler, calls her like a pig person and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, she's, she's a bitch. Out, yeah. But then Jesse is kind of like ditzy and starstruck when it comes to Goldie Hawn. And she's like, oh, I love you. You're one of my heroes. I want to know everything. Like she's the complete opposite. She's almost too much. Yeah. But both equally as bad, but for different reasons. Exactly. So all the, all the ladies are meeting back at Goldie Hawn's place after these portions of this plan have been executed. Her place is packed with all the shit that she's taken from her ex-husband. <laughs> To the brim. There's like an Oscar sitting there. It literally, like they can hardly move. Goldie Hawn mentioned something about having it moved to the warehouse, I think. Yeah. That she usually rents out, but that it's currently vacant. So she's going to have a bunch of shit moved there. And then they all look around at each other and they go look at the place and they end up deciding to put an office together. Which I don't understand. Well, they need a home base. Why? Because have you, did you see the whip wall that they had? Yeah. Okay. I just, oh. When I say whip, I'm I'm referring to like work in, work progress. in progress, not like. Whoosh. I got <laughs> I got the corporate spray too, bro. We got some synergy happening here. Let's circle back. We can table this. It's an offline discussion. We'll table it for an offline discussion when I have a little more bandwidth. <laughs> mm. You also need to clarify the ask. That's true. That's true. God, I hate myself. <laughs> but yeah, that whip wall. I was like, yeah. oh shit. So they have this giant, it turns out it's not a wall. I thought it was the wall at first. It turned out to be one really long plexiglass yeah. board that they had three rows with multiple columns. And each row was one of the ex-husbands. And then each column was a task that they had to accomplish to get to the end yeah. goal. Bitches get shit done. Dude, it was so fucking long. It was huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a normal whiteboard size. You know, no. it wasn't like a little three by five or anything. No, like this thing was four feet tall by like 16 feet long. Uh, it was hashtag office goals. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mat where you jump to conclusions. <laughs> that's where i knew this shit was getting real because even up to then you only had the small points yeah. of the plot we are only in the beginning phase then because there is a lot that they have to accomplish yeah and then the next step of the plan is to have guanilla i finally figured out the name that's maggie smith's character guanilla i'm like i fucking love it i don't even know what it means but i love it it's glowing vanilla so she has to invite sarah jessica parker to lunch as part of the plan 
What she's just on board with. She's like, yeah, yeah, sure, awesome. They knew she'd be in yeah. because she was the original first wife. I appreciate it, like, so much. Like, she doesn't know these bitches. They got word that Bette Midler's ex bought a loft apartment for Sarah Jessica Parker and himself. Penthouse. A penthouse, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. After saying that he didn't have money. Yeah. They do this because Gwenilla, again, she is the socialite. Whatever she says goes. Whatever she does, other people want to do then. Yeah. And so she invites Sarah Jessica Parker, who so desperately wants to be a part of the upper class of uh, like she wants to be a socialite herself. She accepts the lunch invitation. They're there. And you can tell that Maggie Smith is just not <laughs> not interested in this person at all. But it's like with such class that she's throwing shade. But she's not lying at any point. It's just yeah. she speaks the truth that applies. And with this tone that you're like... I got you. <laughs> well, her demeanor sells it. So their idea is to ha- get Maggie Smith to tell Sarah Jessica Parker to have Duarto. That's the name. Duarto is the interior design friend that they have, who apparently is like really bad at it. Gwenilla tells Sarah Jessica Parker, there are certain things that you have control over that will make people recognize you and respect you. And one of those things is it's the way you dress, it's the way you eat. And then there, she's like, but ultimately, one of the best things is the way you live. Your house, you have to have it decorated. You have to have it designed. You have to have it photographed and published. Mm-hmm. You want to make people want to be like you. And I'm like, that's savage as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah Jessica Parker eats that shit up. Mm. The whole next scene I didn't take notes on because I was so busy watching. It shows Sarah Jessica Parker and Bette Midler's ex-husband opening the door to Duarto. Mm -hmm. He comes in and man, I got to say he sells it. Big. Yeah. Does anyone want to take this scene for me? Because again, I didn't take notes or anything. So pretty much, uh, he is doing the whole uh, pompous, full of himself. Uh, oh, what's the word? What, uh, what do they call the uh, crazy rich people that try to save the world with their innovative ideas? Philanthropist. Not philanthropists. Okay. Um, Venture capitalists. Eccentrics. Yeah, oh, okay. he's being very eccentric. He's just like, oh yes, I love how this wall just bleeds. It's just plexiglass, like <laughs> like that, that stupid shit. And but like, their thing is, Sarah Jessica Parker character, she's just eating it up the whole time. She's like, yes, yes, I agree with you because I too am you know exquisite. And the whole time though, Bette Midler's ex husband is just like, this guy's full of shit. Fuck him. Why is he in my house? To where this guy's like, I need time alone so you don't bug me and I let my aura flow. And so he kicks them out. So when they leave, the three girls come in, and then they actually go raid his office, which, holy shit, speaking of interior design, whoever designed Mm. that fucking office is just like, hmm, I want to be in a place where I want to kill myself, but can't out of embarrassment <laughs> because it just looks like a fucking like dentist waiting room it, <laughs> oh, it looks so fucking bad and it clashes so bad with the room that's right before it they get there it's like oh this doesn't flow like the feng shui feng shui is a scam but still bad feng shui <laughs> so they go through his office and try to find like these files and shit to you know incriminate him can we talk about the stair well that leads up to the office because this i know chris had teased this earlier yeah so osha would shit their shit themselves <laughs> no kidding this fucking staircase like that i would shit myself walking up that Dude, staircase yeah, it's all like swaying and shit and the fucking uh the handrails just like almost fall off so yeah. dude wasn't lying when he said he had no money he has no money 
Clearly, he can't afford real stairs. Oh, yeah, they have to pretend to go upstairs. And He's like, all we have less is some fishing wire and some PVC pipe. Like, that's exactly where his money ran out, where he was going to, re- like, redesign that room yeah. and, and then put in actual fucking stairs. Well, so, anywho, something happens. We're like, oh, we need to go back inside. And so they come back in while they're still in the office trying to find some dirt on her ex-husband. They take a note out of their uh, friend, the swan, and go on the balcony. <laughs> Jesus. And they both look over. And then uh, look uh, the end. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, learn to fly from uh, Foo Fighters starts playing, and they say, "Aim for the bushes." Aim, Aim for, for the bushes. The bushes. <laughs> but there was no. Way. But they did find uh, they did find a, a nice uh, window washer uh, launch pad like right there. So they just took that and they wrote it down. But the way it came down, like it was going down slow, and it was going like up, and they're like, oh, "How do we work this thing?" And then it starts going in a free fall. <laughs> <laughs> and then we figured out why all of their husbands left them because they forgot how to go down oh dang i was just gonna no. say because they're clearly dipshits that put their lives in danger for no, like no good reason you know I mean, my wife would kill me if she heard that because you know what's like you know Ooh. you know what's like not as bad as death a trespassing charge <laughs> that's all they would get slap on the fucking wrist yeah. misdemeanor maybe a restraining order except that they had his files yeah Cool. That's the thing. They had his files on their person. You put it in your shirt. Yeah. Put it in your pants. Eat it. <laughs> True, because then he would have to go in their pants to get it. Yeah, and he clearly doesn't want to touch his ex-wife. Sexual harassment. They get out of that situation with the evidence that they need for Bette Midler's husband. They had the dirt, but they didn't have the evidence to support it. Now they do. Yeah. Then they sort of have this moment where they celebrate back at one of their apartments or houses or whatever, and they're actually kind of like having a moment to celebrate. They finally accomplished something. They felt like they almost died. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, Dude, I love I love realizing my mortality. That shit feels awesome. It does. Yes. No, I, I can agree. Yeah. I've mentioned I've been held up and shot at before. What? In that moment. Yeah. No, I I so when I worked at Jimmy John's over on, on Main Street over by Bradley. I remember this. I, no, I, I got held up and the dude fired two rounds. One when I was getting the money out of the drawer for him. To that's make me move shit. faster, which I was like, dude, that's not going to make me move any faster. I was also running my first Spartan race the next day, and all I could think was, I'm going to run this race with a limp. It's crazy the things that go through your head. <laughs> and then when I handed him the bag with the money in it, he fired a shot past my head so that I would flinch and he could run out or something, I guess. Just run, dude. Right. In that moment, I was like, what the fuck? I ran after and locked the back door to make sure they couldn't come back in. We locked the front, called 911. It's funny because the norm, like the time they came in at night is that usually when there was a bit of a shift change in the police department area and so like they would always swing through but yeah they weren't there that night they were four blocks down because they had been called for gunfire because someone had committed suicide oh wow and so then all of a sudden within like 20 seconds we had like nine cop cars in our parking lot because <laughs> they all know us. They've all been through. We take care of them. Like we give them free food at times, you know. Like, Sounds like, like a bribe to me. Yeah, basically. Uh, it was very Gotham City-esque. <laughs> but the thing is, when they when they came in, first off, it looked like a cap gun that they had broken the little orange bit at the tip off, you know, to make it look real. Yeah. And it was loud like a cap gun. I didn't feel like it was a real gun. Like a piece of me was trying to tell myself, nah, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. Until they actually found the bullets. Ooh. At which point I was like... That motherfucker shot at me. I got super pissed. I was in a fucking rage when I found that out. I lost it. It was crazy. You're a beautiful human. This is where we get the first musical number. Yes. They're reminiscing on like this performance that the four of them did back when they were in college. Yeah, that's the story that makes sense. 
Yeah, sure. Let's just roll with it. What's the song that they sing? And it's all right. You don't own me. You you don't own me. Yeah, it's it's. I think they use this Harley Quinn's theme song in Suicide Squad. They celebrate. They sing. They have this like little. I wouldn't say it's a musical number yet because there's not really like a band playing behind them or anything. It's literally just them vocally singing. Right. Next we get Diane Keaton's daughter, the one that is working at the dad's advertising agency. Chris calls and leaves a message on her answering machine saying that she has some good news. She can't say over the phone, but she th- thinks it's about time for her to get back into advertising. Which makes it seem like I think she started in advertising and maybe that's where she met her husband. Which point of order, she begins the voicemail by saying, hey, it's your little spy at dad's advertising agency. (laughs) Hi, this is Chris, the lesbian that works exactly here. I have Hillary Clinton's emails. Like like she said then, like, okay, why? That's a good point. It takes the next step in the plot. And again, we aren't privy to what the overall plot is. Goldie Hawn sells all of her ex-husband's belongings to Diane Keaton. Or? Super cheap. Well, we don't find out for how much until later, yeah. towards the end. I mean, yeah, for, it's for a dollar. Like, she sells all of it to her for a dollar. Four quarters to be exact. They have to split the profits, right? They, that's the deal in the in her divorce agreement. Oh. She has to split the profits with him. 50 I, cents is I what he gets. love this moment so much. Like, I'm pretty Pretty sure legally he could probably make a case that like I don't think so. Uh, people can uh, like that's the lowest know. amount you can sell property in the United States. N- not just that; it was all art. Art is subjective, one hundred percent. Right? I mean, yes. Not if you're selling it as an estate, so she can sell it for what she wants. Yeah. Okay. For, for a dollar, I'd buy that for a dollar. One cent per piece. <laughs> <laughs> Two cents for the mansion. The whole point, then Diane Keaton can put all of those items up for auction, which this is where layers on layers are starting to fold on each other. This is storytelling. This is it. And then looking back at all of the rest of it, I was like, man, they've done a really good job leveling all this out. Not only do they put it up for auction, but then they get Sarah Jessica Parker... (laughs) <laughs> Maggie Smith. They get Maggie Smith. Uh, what's the dude? The designer. D- Duarto, yeah. the designer, yeah, Duarto. to bring Sarah Jessica Parker to this auction and spend a shit ton of Marty- Morty's money. Four hundred thousand dollars for holy shit! Like, well, I know three hundred thousand of it was on a f- on the fucking Lambo. Oh yeah, Lambo. Also, <laughs> was Goldie Hawn's ex's husband? Ex husband? Yeah. So. Oh, oh, the one that they towed. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. To jack up the price, Goldie Hawn would bid against Sarah Jessica Parker in disguise. No, no. Goldie Hawn's character was herself. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because because she's the movie star, and so yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker was like, "Oh, I want to be like her." And Maggie Smith is like, "You should be. She has excellent taste." And they're bidding on like. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the crappiest stuff that's up there. Yeah, and they're just jacking up the auction price. So. <laughs> For an outrageous amount of money yeah. just to fuck over Bette Midler's husband. Yep. And then Bette Midler shows up in disguise to up bid, bid against Sarah Jessica Parker on a different piece. Yeah, exactly. Because that bit would only work once. You know what I mean? Like she's only going to buy into something against a movie star once. And then she had to have like, you have to get that spice from someone Wasn't it else. like a Japanese plate? It was. Yeah. yeah guess, uh, oh, because what was the line? There's a shades of Japanese plate in the Lambo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the line was, um, so she was like, I don't know if I want that or not. And so they're like, oh shit, we're in a bind because if one of us wins, we have to pay for this. And so what uh, Maggie Smith was like. Jackie O had one just like it, and the second she said that, Sarah Jessica Parker's character went <laughs> fucking <laughs> sold. Yeah, it sold. was fantastic, and the whole point to this is so that Diane Keaton can buy 
the owning portion of her husband's of her ex-husband's advertising company. Two thirds, I believe. Yes, because the other two partners wanted to sell out. Yep. That's the information that the daughter got while she was working there. Yeah. So the only person that they still haven't really got under their thumb yet is Goldie Hawn's husband. Goldie Hawn's husband. Uh, they didn't have to do shit. That's true. <laughs> it's true. He dug his own grave. <laughs> they took everything. So Bette Midler finds out that Morty gets it got engaged to Sarah Jessica Parker. She found out from her son. Yeah. And puts on a brave fucking face during that scene. Yeah. I mean, like acts like she knew it. And I was like, props. Again, there was some comedy in here, but and even the drama wasn't too dramatic. Yeah. It was subtle and it was kind of real. Was not melodramatic. It was a heavy PG. Yeah. Chick fucks with dicks. So then the big issue is that they still can't find anything on Goldie Hawn's ex-husband. Things are going well in Act 2. There is a breakdown that has to happen. Anytime you have a group of multiple characters, there has to be something that divides them and then something that brings them back together. They haven't been divided since reuniting yet. Yeah. And this is the moment, first off, Goldie Hawn is drunk. He plays a good drunk too. And they have a bit of a breakdown because she calls them housewives. Yeah. Pedestrians or no, civilians. Yeah, she calls yeah. them civilians. Like they are lower than her. They're playing with her money. She's trying to throw around the weight of her being a movie star. Mm-hmm. They start basically taking it out on each other. I think uh, Bette Midler throws Goldie Hawn's Golden Globe. Yeah. Diane Keaton does doesn't want to get involved. But at one point they try to make who's her choose right? sides. Who's, like, yeah, who's yeah, right? Who's who are whose friend are you? Oh, right. They legit like try to make like they're fucking six years old. Yeah. And she's like, I'm the nice one. That's where Bette Midler and Goldie Hawn like tag team on Diane Keaton. Yeah. And Diane Keaton basically tells them to fuck off. They all kind of go their separate ways. And then you had that sad musical song from Shrek play in your head. There's this slow jam that starts playing. I was like, yo, yes. I don't even know what this is, but I want it. I had to look it up. It's Billy Porter. Love is on the way. Go get it. 100% go get it. This is not sponsored by Billy Porter or his <laughs> people, but 100% like- if you dig, oh, that would be dope. If you dig slow jams, like, get it. This is good. I heard Billy Porter has the same uh, legal team that Disney does. Yes, get it. That's fine. <laughs> We're not making money off this shit. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I have friends like Dave. You know, Dave was a, a guest on here back in season one for, fuck, what movie was he on? Oh, Thelma and Louise. Was he? Which is, yeah, which is a ride or die movie. And I got to say, Dave and I have been friends since we were in preschool. So almost 30 years now. Yeah. Legit one of my ride or dies. Like it doesn't matter. There are times in our phases in our life where we're real tight, where we see each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times where we might not talk for like a month. And it's not because anything's wrong. It's just because that's just life. But yeah. we get it. I know for me, like friends that have knocked down drag out fights can grow from that. Mm-hmm. Your relationship can be even stronger then. And that's kind of what happens here is you see that with them. They have this knocked down drag out fight. And they lose sight of the goal. They lose sight of what they were trying to accomplish, which can be easy to do when you're trying to go after a long-term goal. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the short-term steps along the way falters. Again, the subtlety in the script. This is good writing. Like This is good storytelling. I'm really enjoying this right now. Yeah. I do appreciate that Goldie Hawn is an alcoholic until she's not. (laughs) She's clearly an alcoholic. And then the next scene is like, "Uh, I'm better. I'm sober. Yeah. There we go. Like, they didn't want to tell a story of a struggling actress overcoming alcoholism. I get that. I'm not going to be too mad. But it's just like... You uh, sound pretty mad. I, no, I'm not mad. <laughs> you seem it's fucking pissed. 
I'm so pissed. No, it's just, it's a thing. They, again, the writers heavily rely on the audience in this. Mm-hmm. I took it more as what she was missing the whole time was her sisterhood. Like she was missing her friends support the whole time she's been trying to handle this thing alone i don't know if necessarily she's always been an alcoholic as much as that could have started when the divorce started and it did and we see her drinking more and more throughout the movie right until she's not it's just they have this big blowout where they call her an alcoholic and they point out Mm -hmm. that she has empty gallon jugs in her trash and then the next scene she's fine that's the story they want to tell it's fine Sure. Do you guys think that they would have like done better with their friendship over that time that they weren't around each other if they had like these magical pants they sent back and forth? Yes. Probably. Yeah. 100%. They would have kept in touch better that way. That's true. Yeah. They finally get back together. Um, but one of them says something about we're them witches. They are the witches that the new girls refer to or yeah. whatever. And I thought it was funny for a couple of reasons. First off, because today that line would be we them bitches. Yeah. Yeah. I just took a DNA test and you know, like that's that's all I could think. But also because it was a nod almost to Bette Midler being the witch. I, <laughs> that's how I took it. They get back together and I like what they say. They they say that they were thinking too small, they were thinking too petty. We need to take this globally. We need to make yeah. this bigger than just us. And this is where they re- changed the operation name to Hell's Fury. I appreciate a good code name. Yes. Yeah. This is where Goldie Hawn shows up to her ex-husband and they're finishing out the plot. There she shows up to her ex-husband's office and gives him 50 cents and then she's like you know what here you go take the whole dollar and i'm just like oh i wish i was stoned when i was watching this it's like old ratchet zach comes out Uh, queen i said yes and get it girl like so many times in this fucking movie and i'm like this round has got me jacked right now (laughs) i like to think that rachel just doesn't watch the movie she watches you and just shakes her head by by once every three minutes She she hates watching movies with me because I will verbalize my responses. Well, please don't come to any movie theaters. <laughs> well, I don't do it in movie theaters. Good. I do it at home. I enjoy movies so much, especially if I get roped into it. If I feel like I'm being drawn into the story, I get excited for the characters. And like in this movie, by this point, I'm like, yes, fucking get these dudes that suck so hard. And so then we jump to Bette Midler and they kidnap her ex-husband. They, they pose as the FBI, <laughs> the mob, the mafia. Yeah. Poses as the, the FBI mob. and arrest him while he is filming a fucking commercial. They're in like a meatpacking plant or something. You know, something traditionally mob-esque. Some place where Rocky and would, you know, would train. Bette Midler lays everything out. She's got copies of all of his records and she has the letters from him to her father back and forth about all the goods and shit that they had stolen. Here is my admission of crime. Uh, it show, jumps to Diane Keaton's ex-husband walking in for his oh. appointment and his daughter. This Oh, you know what? You know what? Looking at it. I think I have to agree with Krista. This was over-sexualized. The daughter tells him something. She says the day is going to be hell. Oh, yeah. She's like, you're nine o'clock's here. But it's the way she says yeah. it. Something about how it's a hell of a day or something like that. Yeah. And But she says it almost like she's trying to make him come while she says it. Yeah. And it's... And if you take it as she's trying to make him uncomfortable, it's perfect. So she, so he walks into the room from the meeting, right? And Diane Keaton has her lawyers there. Did you guys see the lawyer on the right? Those Those aren't the lawyers. Those are the partners that she's buying the firm from. Doesn't that look a lot like Charlie's lawyer uncle from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? It does. It does. His hands are too big. Would you be surprised (laughs) to see like that's him? No No way. Is it? No. Oh. Oh. Okay. It's his dad. Are you serious? No. For real? No. Oh, you Alex. motherfucker. But, but yeah. Oh. 
So they, they leave and she's like, bitch, I own you now. And he was like, you can't own me. And she's like, I, I really do like read this piece of paper. It says, I literally own you. It doesn't say I own two thirds of this company. It says I own this pedophile. <laughs> she now owns the controlling portion of the company, which she used the money from the auction from Goldie Hawn's stuff to buy. He's like, well, that's fine. I'm just going to leave. And all my clients will come with me. And she goes, that's okay. I decided. How much was it? $45 million. And that was Morty's appliances. Yep. Yep. That was Morty's stores. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So that's how the, I was trying to figure out how Bette Midler's ex-husband wrapped all into it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I get the whole circle between Goldie Hawn and Diane Keaton. Bette Midler's fits in here. And that's where their idea is that they want to make them suffer over and over and over. That's the whole point to hear. Mm-hmm. Bette Midler now basically says that she's going to control all of Morty's appliances. She's the owner. Um, she will control everything with how the money is spent, with what the business does, but he will still be the president because after all, it is Morty's appliances. So he's the face more than anything. They could have ended it there and I've been like, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, The way they tied it up, great storytelling. But then again, they take it another step. I didn't know what was happening next. Yeah. They have sort of this montage ending it out where Morty's writing a $150,000 check. Diane Keene's husband writes like a $250,000 check. Uh, I think that's Goldie Hawn's husband. Yeah. And what they end up doing is utilizing the money not only for themselves, but to build a crisis center for women. Named after? Cynthia Swan. And that's the moment when I realized what her last name was. And I was like, Swan Dive? Is what my note is here. There's a dot, 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 and then dive question mark. I really want to watch that scene again with her, like, putting a banana peel on the railing. (laughs) Jesus. So she can make it look like it was an accident. Also, we skipped a big part here. What? What do they have against Goldie Hawn's husband? Yeah. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. The big McTwisty. (laughs) <laughs> Turns out Jesse Spano is 16 years old. Is she really? Yeah. So So I thought they doctored that because they couldn't find anything on him. Because Goldie Hawn made a comment about how he doesn't think we have anything on him or something like that. Uh, I don't think that was doctored. I think that was legit. Remember, oh, okay. they, they, they pulled out a yearbook, which I mean, like, sure, you can fake that. I think I've been pretty hard in 1996. But I guess they, they do have the mob on their side, which really makes you think, <laughs> like, is, is this... Is this a, a movie empowering women, or is it women getting screwed by men so they find other men to help them screw over the men? I would not say that one. I would not say the latter, simply because otherwise the mob would have had a heavier presence throughout the film. If that was what the message was supposed to have been, then... I feel like they put more on the line, though. They they dress up like the FBI. They kidnap someone. That sounds like a normal Tuesday afternoon for them, though. That's fine. Like, that's I still a couple that felonies. Maybe terroristic charges, too. The, the worst felony is a murder. They do that all the time. Like, this is nothing. It's, it's a fucking <laughs> walk in the park for them. I honestly think if they were trying to put it as women having to rely on men to get back at men, there would have been a much larger focus on the other men that were helping Oh, them. no, absolutely. I'm just saying they couldn't have done it as efficiently as they did without the fucking mob. But that's true with every statement that's involving the mob. <laughs> true. Yeah, Unless it's the Yakuza. That's but that's still the mob. For all of the mob that are out there listening that are our fans, first off, we love you. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't snitch. <laughs> no, where I come from, snitches get stitches and are found in ditches. Yeah, Glen Oak, Glen Oak School was fucking hard for a seven-year-old, wasn't it? And for a seven-year-old, part Asian, part white kid, <laughs> got my ass beat all the fucking time. Since when were you half Asian? I didn't say half, I said part. <laughs> the penis part. So... <laughs> They build the <laughs> hey, enough to bear two kids, baby. Yeah. Hey, oh, the seed is strong. Tadpoles of the gods. 
Do you guys think that conjoined twins start off as conjoined semen? Yes. I hope so. I'm, I'm saying yes. I refuse to live in a world where that's not the case. Chick fucks with dicks. So the crisis center offers counseling and therapy, etc. That we also uh, desperately fucking need. No shit. Two women in different types of abusive relationships. Not just physical, but emotional, sexual, etc. To everyone. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's their goal. Family counseling was offered yeah i remember that that's awesome and they're making these men pay for that regularly yeah they're basically blackmailing their ex-husbands into constantly changing funding this place they're they're helping societal standards of all women because they just happen to fuck with the three ones they shouldn't have right i like that kathy lee gifford was the news reporter that was interviewing them the biggest celebrity showing up in this was ivana trump (laughs) <laughs> wait where oh dude that's who they talk to when they're leaving they say mrs trump they have a big gala at the opening of the crisis center and ivana is leaving and they they stop her to thank her for coming and she says anytime and she's like and just like i say don't get mad get everything i was like yo that's savage as fuck that's a queen bitch level right there yeah it was fantastic. And now her not husband is kind of a first world dictator, but not really. I don't know. Weird times. They have this big party and everything. And then Morty shows up. Sarah Jessica Parker's with him. She won't go in. She stays outside and he's like, you can tell his attitude is kind of like, fuck this bitch. Like, I'm, I'm tired of this shit. She's talking about how she she doesn't have a ring. She's not married. They're not. She doesn't feel special. Get out of here. He has this moment with Bette Midler where you can tell that he regrets what he's done, mm. which I'm like, hey, one out of three guys regrets what they've done okay i don't like that they're reconciling i don't like it i get that i get that it doesn't necessarily mean that they're together though it does when like right as like they're done dancing at the very end of the movie she's like oh like you know she got back together with him they said they were heading towards a reconciliation which makes me assume i forgot about all the voiceover shit yeah i will i forgot about that i will say i don't think we see them kiss and so it is technically left in the air but if she get number one this woman is blackmailing him why would he want to get back together with her? Maybe he's a cuck. Because he's attracted to power. <sighs> or he's Yo, a legitimate I mean, he could be. So then what did she learn from this experience? That she's really the one that runs the shit. Yeah. If anything, that's what he learned from this experience. I didn't ever really have the power. And he realized it was like that the whole time. He just thought he was the one wearing the pants. You thought. And that's why his life turned to shit the second he left her. Yeah. Yeah. I just. You're mad that she gave him a chance because he doesn't deserve it. I I'm agree. I'm mad. I agree. I just don't understand that story. I can see that. After the party's over, it's the three of them just sitting there and they're talking about everything. They have this one last moment. Okay. So here's the thing. They sing. This is the actual musical number. This is where they sing that song again and they dance and like music actually comes on in the background as though it were support them performing and i gotta say at this point i feel like the writers were like you know what we've made it this far and we've done we fucking knocked it out of the park the story is layered perfectly we've got so many levels we have a great cast that's gonna kill it fuck it how do we end this yeah with a musical number boom done and i was like i'm in uh, I sign me up all about this i'm for it i'm like you know what yeah i'm okay with this <laughs> like i've earned this yeah exactly and they, did. they did and it was it was fun it was really cool it was a good ending i thought it was a halfway decent movie like i really enjoyed it i enjoyed this movie i enjoyed it as well i think it's the writing that really got it for me Chick fucks with dicks. we're gonna run through and if you were to rate this as a chick flick on a scale of zero to ten one to ten whatever where would you put it and Krista, ladies first. So, Alex? 
Well. <laughs> I shouldn't be offended by that. You shouldn't. I think I was offended. Not after watching this movie. Like, you should be like, yes, queen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, it was the pause that offended me. It was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would rate it an 8 out of 10 as a chick flick. Fuck, dude. That's high. Yeah. 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 That's 80%. That's, yeah. That's what I would do, too. You'd give it an, an 8 out of 10. Right, so we're Solid we're at 16 out of 20. Okay. Where do they put this other stuff? So I just want to throw this out there. Alex, you put Thelma and Louise at a 10. You gave it a perfect score. Mm-hmm. Dave gave it a nine and a half. I gave it a nine. I said I might have a new number one after watching this. Now, after discussing it with you guys, there are a few things here and there that I'm like, eh, okay. If she reconciled with her husband at the end, I would have liked more with the lesbian part too. Like the fact that they just kind of glossed over it was very mid nineties of them. Yeah. I will say the thing that like makes this movie for me is watching it. You can tell the people like it is a very earnest movie. The people who made it very clearly cared about the story and the characters they wanted to tell that story with. I agree. So even though there are flaws, it's it hits hard. It's It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get everything spot on, but ultimately I think the script here is amazing. The writing in this is so well done and the cast together Mm. is so good and it's so hard when you're bringing in these heavy hitters that kind of towards the peak of their careers like very well established and trying to get them all to mesh together this well and not even just the main cast like the subcast is really fucking good it's got some big names in it exactly so for me I'm going to match my score from Thelma and Louise. I'm going to give it a nine. Very nice. So I have a tie for my number one. Okay. So I think that will automatically, based on our average, probably dump this in our number two overall between both seasons so far. So that being said, I'm going to start off and say, yes, I would highly recommend if your significant other wants to watch a chick flick and says, hey, how about First Wives Club? Check it out. Dive in head first and just enjoy it because the storytelling is really good. The gotchas are pretty good. I don't think there's a lot of what the fuck moments like nothing where I, was, where I was like, what the fuck? Nothing pissed me off in this movie about the story or the movie itself. I would definitely recommend it, but you would recommend it. Oh yeah. It's all right. Krista. I absolutely would that it's, it's a fun movie. Fun fact, there is a First Wives Club TV series that started. Is it that Korean show? No. I saw that and almost started it instead of the movie because I wasn't really paying attention. It's a TV adaptation of the movie. And apparently this is based on a novel. The cast for the actual TV series is interesting because I'm pretty sure that all the leads are actually black instead. But the thing is, it's some of the original writers really are involved with the project wow so yeah i like that That, that, i was like this is dope yeah i think there's like a korean movie about it too really maybe or maybe like a korean drama i don't know um because huh. I think when I was looking for it on Prime, that's where he said it was being streamed. I, ca- I just kept getting the wrong thing over and over again. And I was right. just like, well, I know I'm looking for Diane Keaton. And I know she's not black. And, <laughs> and then like I clicked on one. I was just like, oh, because the thumbnails are really small. I was like, this might. Mm. I was like, mm, nope, I ain't it at all. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining for this episode again. Again, this is sort of the squad that we're going to run with during the, uh, the Rona outbreak during this pandemic. Since we're all stuck at home, it's easier to just kind of stick with the same guest. And so Chris is sort of our pseudo host now. <laughs> Can we have like a line of secession if she like if Chris gets impeached or dies? Yeah, we have a designated survivor. <laughs> All right, yeah, we need to, we need to we'll, we'll talk about that. Well, I mean, like, I'm not going to say that in, in out loud because oh, I you don't want someone it? to. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like, I've got an order. So, I, guess it's I mean, I'll, dictatorship because I don't remember voting on this shit at all. <laughs> <laughs> the co host vote. <laughs>
Even Rachel gets a full vote. Even Winnie gets half a vote. Alex. <laughs> I miss you. I miss you too, boo boo. No. Chick fucks with dicks. That's going to wrap it for us. Thank you for joining. Again, please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and any other place that you can find a podcast. Give us a listen. Give us a subscribe. Rate us. And please share us. And just a quick reminder, go vote. Visit vote.org to register. Visit ballotready.org or ballotpedia.org for information on candidates and referendums in your area. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.